You're listening to the Rising Rain Podcast with Nathan and Sterling. How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to the Rising Rain Podcast. I'm here today with my co-host, host guy, Nathan. The boss, you mean. Yeah, yeah, big boss. That's right. That's the guy. <laughs> and uh, today we're being joined by Ben. Ben, say hi to the people. Hello, hello, hello. What's up, Ben? Oh, you know, just living life large like a big boy I am. Love that. Um, I was actually going to ask you this before, but are you in quarantine? Like, do you have to stay in your room or how does it work over there? Um, no, no. We uh, we kind of had like two weeks of strict rules on campus where we could only sit with like our unit. Um, but that got lifted yesterday. So I'm basically allowed to do whatever I want. BC is like super chill. Like all the restaurants are still open and everything here. So really? Yeah. Yeah. I can uh. go out for, for dinner if I had a girlfriend to go on a date with. <laughs> <laughs> relatable this is the relatable content we i'm gonna have to go on a road trip here pretty soon <clears throat> honestly I'm yeah. gonna, like what week are we in sterling here like week, uh, I, I don't even know anymore time has no four, meaning four or five week five yeah Shambles. yeah when i was back over christmas i was like this is rough i want to go back to it's tough so uh tell us tell us what you're doing over there at, at school what program are you in yeah, I'm 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 in the first year of an outdoor leadership program at a CBC or Columbia Bible College in Abbotsford. Um, basically, it's like outdoor education. So I'm getting certified in um, like search and rescue stuff, uh, rope search and rescue stuff, uh, ski patrolling stuff. So like my avalanche work, uh, and then paramedic stuff. First year paramedic. Um, it's basically what it is. Super lives. chill. Out, outdoor school where I just get to have fun skiing and hanging out with a bunch of other like-minded people so yeah I, I know a couple people who have done the ecotourism and outdoor leadership degree at mru and i've only heard good things about it, it sounds like a really sweet thing to do to be honest now I, I, i'm just thinking and i think we've played right beside columbia bible college nathan when we played ufv oh, do you guys yeah, have yeah, like yeah. turf U- soccer ufv fields? is is across uh it's like a like a 10 minute drive from here oh is that where we yeah. got smacked no, that's where we that's where we lost one nothing. That oh, game was super rainy. Oh, when I went and then didn't even dress for the game. <laughs> Me, you, and Azu were all there, and we did <laughs> not the touch the field. <laughs> uh, Brilliant, good times. Um, yes. Yeah. So for you guys who don't know Ben, um, us three actually know each other from completely separate paths in our lives. Um, I know Ben through church. Um, and through youth and Mexico trip, um, and and Sterling knows him in a completely different way. So it's crazy that we've like somehow all joined together here. Um, but tell Ben, tell us how you and Sterling met. Um, I think the first time we probably like majorly interacted was when I was in grade twelve and he was in grade eleven, and uh, I took I took his spot for setter on the volleyball team. <laughs> Yeah, we, it was down to us and, too, man. We and I didn't, dude. I didn't dress as a setter once the entire season. I played middle <laughs> the whole season because I was a garbo setter. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why the why Coach Steve decided that I would be a setter. But uh, that was like out Steve. First time we interacted, uh, not so, yeah. not much of an interaction, and then we played handball together. 
Handball, oh. the greatest sport to ever be created. European handball. We're the, the city boys. champs of Calgary because we're the only team in Calgary, and we got absolutely <laughs> slaughtered at provincials. By who? Yeah. Uh, every team. <laughs> I, th- I, th- I feel like we – didn't we get close to playoffs? I feel like we lost. We won one game. It was our last that's game. Right. We came second last, I think. Oh, yeah, that's right. We won the consolation final. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I, I remember I started over this kid named Scott Douglas. And- <laughs> shout out, and Scott. Scott. Shout out, Scott Douglas. But that guy was cocky as hell. And I started <laughs> over him. And I remember he was pissed. And it was the greatest moment of my high school career. <laughs> Good man. Oh hope scott's God. not listening but so here's don't the take thing. it personal I've, scott i have never played handball but i have heard both you and sterling go off about handball and how amazing it is so just like i need to know why because i don't know if i can believe you it's kind of like like a mixture of like i would say soccer and lacrosse are the two sports that Jesus. it kind of mixes <laughs> in my head the best because it's like you can push people around more so like lacrosse, um, but you're you're playing with like a ball that's kind of like a soccer ball, but it's with your hands, which is more like lacrosse, but it's a longer field. I don't know. It's they've got like a like a house, which is similar to lacrosse, like a six meter a and like house. a nine meter line. And if people are like inside the nine meter line, you're allowed to like push them out and crap like that. Um, yeah how how i say how i describe handball and why it's so awesome is like it's the ultimate high school sport in my opinion because high school like it's all about athleticism right you want the dudes that can run super fast and like throw super hard and jump super high and that is just handball right because it's full contact it's a 40 meter court so there's a whole lot of sprinting going on and gets really intense and as a goalie it's great because i get to let in 30 goals a game and nobody cares and nobody (laughs) cares the shots and i'm doing good bro so I, I loved it because I actually didn't have to run that much because I was I was a back. It's the wings that have to run. The short little kids, they have to run <laughs> so freaking much because they play like at the very bottom on either side of the court. So like way on the far sides at the very bottom and they have to do so much running. I jogged the whole time. <laughs> I jogged and clothesline kids. Well, that's because one of your steps is equal to like four of mine. <laughs> you giant human being. I would put Nathan back. either as a as a pivot or a, or a right wing, one of the two. Oh what man, the frig is a pivot. The pivot it's basically is basically like a big center. Boy, it's the big boy. Oh, nobody's yeah. gonna push me over, bro. You set picks and stuff. I'm gonna. Yeah. Be, I, I, I feel like you could best. do a job. And that's that's usually the TB as well. <laughs> a TB. Do you know what a TB is? I don't know if this is an insult. Uh, <laughs> can I swear? Is that allowed? Uh, very minimal. It's the team bench. There you go. Yeah. I'm not a TB. No, but the pivot usually is, though, is what we're saying. But I, I don't understand. I, you I guys, that's a pretty broad generalization. But <laughs> maybe we'll we'll 100%. put you at right wing. We'll put you at right wing. How about that? Yeah, yeah you got that uh, left I, hand. You could do a job. You got to put yeah, left hand right. I would put him yeah. at right wing because he's a lefty. Yeah, makes a big difference, dude. That'd it be dangerous. It does. Yeah, I still play handball. By the way, do you still do you play in the men's league? Yeah, I, I do. Yeah, uh, Steve. Steve got me all signed up there. They needed a goalie, so oh man, that's did what I you, do in my spare time? Did you go back for that alumni game? Yeah, I've been. I, uh, I, don't, I, I didn't remember seeing you there. I also went to the one 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 alumni game, and I could not remember anybody. Yeah, I remember, no, I, remember I, Justice I recognized was there. Yeah, just just all I remember. Yeah. Oh goodness! All right, so Ben, <laughs> ben. history. You Handball. just got. Great. 
um you you just went well i wouldn't say just but you went on a, a trip of a lifetime yeah wanna, yeah i want to explain i know i remember when we were still like in pretty constant communication you said dude guess what i just got a van for one dollar <laughs> yeah like, no way. yeah before i like moved out and i'm probably never coming back yeah yeah so, so oh man what year was it 2019 yeah um i I had always wanted to try van life. I'm pretty sure most people have heard of van life at this point. Um, and I remember I was, I was looking at buying a van. Um, and I was talking to my, my mom about it. Yeah, my dad lives in Nova Scotia and my mom lives in Calgary. And I was talking to my, talking to my mom about it. And then she was like, you should talk to your dad. Cause we had like a family van that was pretty ideal for like a first time van lifer. And then I actually, I messaged my dad and he was like, you know what, if you fly out here, you can drive it back and I'll pay for your flight out. And so I got it for a dollar, but <laughs> technically I didn't pay anything for it. That's just what the bill of sale said. And so in the spring of 2019, I flew it to Nova Scotia, uh, drove it back. Uh, and then over the summer, I renovated it, took all the seats and everything out of it um, and did kind of like, kind of like a ghetto like it was pretty rough on the inside the first time I renovated it, but I didn't really have that much time or that much money. Um, and I had to have it done by September. And so I got it good enough to live in. Um, and so I drove it to Alaska. Um, I think I did, I did like two months. It was like a two month trip. Uh, I spent a couple of weeks getting up to Alaska, uh, just hung around in alaska went hiking in the in the denali mountain range which has the tallest mountain in north america um met some crazy people met some really drunk people who should not have been driving but definitely <laughs> were the U the yukon is wild everybody I believe that. everybody in the yukon is depressed and so they just drink a lot because there's nothing to do it's just like oh. it's like brown like alberta is in the winter but like that year round and yikes mm. Especially in the fall. The fall was probably a bad time to go because there's no tourism or anything. Like I was like one of like 12 people that wasn't a trucker on the road. And <laughs> you'd go for like days driving through like cities that are just abandoned because it's not the summer anymore. Um, and like everything's just closed down. But it was cool. It was it was definitely eye opening, especially because I am I'm a very extroverted person. I'm always around people all the time. And then going from that to being stuck by myself for like a month. Mm -hmm. pretty rough um but that's okay it was a very cool experience i the mountains alaska is one of the most beautiful places i've ever been to on the planet um highly recommend it and then i drove from alaska all the way down to san diego so all the way down the west coast um i i just hung out in la for a while and i i uh i had these these meet and greet tickets for like kind of the people who inspired me to do this. They're, they're these people on YouTube called yes theory. And they're all about like going out of your comfort zone, doing something cool, saying yes to the next big adventure. And so I met them, um, hung out with them. Uh, we had like dinner at their, their house. And uh, I was talking to one of the guys. Uh, there's, there's like three main guys. You got Matt, Thomas and Amar. And I was talking to Thomas uh, about like the trip I was doing. And there's like 14 of us at the meet and greet. So we had like a decent amount of time to talk to everyone. 
And he was like, he was like, that sounds pretty lonely. And I was like, just like, yeah, I, I am pretty lonely. Like it is pretty lonely. He's like, how about this? By the end of tonight, because they had like an event that night that we were going to afterwards. Uh, how about this? By the end of the night, uh, I'm going to find you someone to drive with you to Vancouver slash Seattle when I go back up. Because I was like leaving like a few days after to go back up and I was moving to Kelowna. So I had to do the drive back up eventually anyways. And so we're at the event and I thought, I thought he's just going to ask around be like, Oh yeah, you guys want to go on the event or go on a drive up the coast with this guy. But no, he, uh, they're in the middle of like recording, I guess, kind of like a podcast and, and they like kind of put it on pause. They pull me up on stage um, and are like, tell him what you want. And I was like, what? And I'm standing in front of like a few thousand people and I'm like, I'm like, like, poop in my pants is just is pretty wild and i was just like hey i'm ben i live in a van i'm lonely someone wanna come with me to seattle and like a few people put their hands up and like i had a girlfriend at the time so i was like you can't really be a girl because my van is not big enough where i would feel comfortable pretty much cuddling with some random chick for two weeks and so like <laughs> that eliminated a lot of the people i had I had a few girls come up and talk to me and i was like like yeah sure no one else wants to come <laughs> then yes but then this one guy who's the guy I least expected he's he's this guy who wants to become a bollywood actor comes up to me <laughs> no um, and like he looks like like he looks greasy like hasn't showered in a while and i'm not i'm not trying to stereotype or anything but like he legitimately was like like he's like a backpacker and if, if oh, anyone okay, knows yeah. backpackers they're stinky yeah <laughs> they're, they're like their van lifers are stinky but they're stinkier and so he he had like gone down to la uh some friend just brought him to this event had gone down to la um and he needed to ride back to seattle because his motorbike was in seattle and he had to drive back down to la for a freaking um he had like an interview or whatever what's it called a casting is that what it's called when you're an actor yeah i think so, so sure. but he needed his bike for some reason so he's like yeah i need a ride up and i was like sweet oh, so this random guy i never met before slept on the floor of my van uh and we drove up the coast and i had like i had gopro us like jumping in the ocean and climbing trees and stuff and it was like it was honestly it was terrible because I realized that sharing your space, your tiny 60 square feet with someone you've never met before sucks. Mm. Um, but it was also very eye-opening into like what other people were like. Like he, he's a Hindi guy. And so like learning about his religion compared to my religion and stuff. And we just talked for hours and he would just like, he would spend like two hours of the drive just talking to me in Punjabi because he thought it was funny that I didn't understand anything. He <laughs> would like yell at me for two hours and then, and then he would roll down the window in my van and take off his seatbelt and like totally hang out, out the window while we were driving like, like 60 miles an hour on this highway. And it was just like, he's just like the weirdest, but like the sendiest, funnest dude ever. Uh, and then I got back to Seattle lived in my van in Kelowna and then over last summer so summer 2020 I finished renovating my van and I made it look prime like if you went on my Instagram and you saw the photos of when mm -hmm. I finished renovating my van yeah, like it sick it was looking money and so I and then I came out to school and three days in my van gets stolen from the oh. school parking lot <laughs> like literally three days in 
Oh, it's stolen. Man, and every year, this is something that's happened for five years straight. The first week of school, someone's had their vehicle stolen from the parking lot. Why? It's why like they haven't prank. done anything for security? Yeah, it is. And so my house just—it's a good thing I'm staying in res. But like my house with everything I owned just got like stolen three days oh, in the school. Man, and it was like I'm in like an it's outdoor brutal. program, and I need all my backpacking stuff, my hiking stuff, my skiing stuff, and everything was in my van. And it was just like. It made me realize that like material things aren't actually that important because I was fine without it. I had I had people like lending me stuff for backpacking trips until I got like everything back together and and it was just like it's really eye opening on like how sucky it was, but how much you realize like I actually can survive with like four shirts and two pairs of pants and like twelve pairs of underwear. Yeah, that's basically <laughs> that's basically all I had for clothes for like the oh, first like goodness. month. And yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it was an adventure for sure. And it, it just, it honestly just opened a new chapter for what I'm going to do next, which yeah. is how it is. Like, yeah. That's that, that is like, that's, that's a story that you obviously like never forget and you'll be telling your grandkids about it. Um, but <clears throat> my question, I guess, just to like take this conversation off is what is the, what was the scariest thing I guess that you experienced on that trip? Um, I would say two scary. I'm going to go with two things. Uh, the scariest thing in Alaska, um, when I was driving up and staying in the Yukon, I had I had driven on the road. I haven't had service in like probably like three or four days. And so like I was like pretty isolated and I pulled I pulled off the road down this gravel road into this nook in the trees um, and I had finished cooking. And because I, I didn't have running water or anything in my van, I just had like a Coleman stove. And like a big water jug and so i just usually just dump my gray water out on the rocks because it was like kind of like a public campsite that was free and so i dumped my i had I made mac and cheese i dumped my water on the rocks and you know like how pasta water is like there's definitely like pasta residue in it it's kind of like hot dog water yeah and so in the middle of the night i hear and feel this big thing come and lay up against my van and there was there was like this grizzly like mass biggest grizzly bear I've ever seen just like laying on the outside of my van and I had no idea what to do I was like I don't know if I chase it away because what if he like swipes my tire and then I'm like extra screwed because I don't even know if I have a spare because I couldn't yeah. remember if I took it out or not when I renovated my van or if it was mounted underneath and I was like oh man what do I do and like literally I did not sleep a wink that night because there was just a bear sleeping beside my van. He left in the morning, but like that was the scariest thing. He was there all night. All night. He slept right <laughs> beside my van. So he must have been he smelt the food, right? He wow. smelled the water and just like oh hung out my goodness. laying against my van. I wish I could have gotten photos of it, but like I didn't have a phone. All I had is my GoPro and that in low light. And it was that was the scariest thing in Alaska for sure. Um <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> and then in California, just like, I think going back to like picking up a stranger that I had never met before, um, especially after being isolated for like a full month and then like being forced into a situation with some random person was definitely like, I definitely had a couple anxiety attacks yeah. throughout that, that, that couple, that week or whatever that he was with me. But like, I, w- I wasn't scared for my life because I don't know, this dude anything that he could do to me I could do to him like I don't think someone I'm gonna meet at a concert is gonna be a serial killer and if he was at (laughs) least I did it at least I died doing something cool right yeah 
Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> but I was more so like stressed about like, like, I don't know. I'm very, when it comes to making decisions, if I make a decision, I'm very much like stuck on it. And I don't like having other people kind of dictating the way my life goes. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, now I have this other person who I have to get to Seattle, who he's going to want to do stuff. And it's going to mess with my plans for this crazy trip that I'm doing. And that was like very nerve wracking and anxiety causing. So that was probably the scariest thing in like the, the California half of that trip. Wow. That's uh it's quite the story. <laughs> I cannot imagine just being posted up by a grizzly bear ben on your own in the middle of nowhere. The bear. I slept with a bear, yeah. We Not almost spooned by a bear. Spooned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's class. That was class. And uh, he, he so just was to, a little spoon. <laughs> nice. Just to contrast that, um, what's one thing along that West Coast trip that you think is very underrated that someone should do? Maybe not like a Seattle or an LA, but what was one little thing on that trip that you would recommend? Oh man. Uh, the thing is a lot of the West coast is super touristy. Um, especially, especially in the Southern part, uh, like, like the whole, it's called the Pacific coast highway. That highway is like very much like documented, like photographs. People make like vlogs, like van lifers do that drive all the time. That's like the classic West coast drive. I would say the most underrated part is northern BC, um, like northwestern BC. is It's very rural. You would think like BC, oh, it's like, it's pretty like bus, bustle in, boom in place. But like basically anywhere outside of the lower mainland is super rural other than like maybe Kelowna. Um, but like north northwestern BC is some of the most beautiful landscapes you'll ever see like like mountains right on the water like you can you can hike a mountain and you can see for hundreds of miles out on the ocean but you're on top of a mountain and it's just like the views you get are unparalleled it's it's kind of remote and to get there is really difficult but like i don't see people talking about it enough and like the towns the little towns along that drive up on the highway along there or just like everybody there is so hospitable like you don't there's no like the internet is barely a thing out there there's a few like places where you can get internet but people aren't like on their phones all the time and it's just like it feels very like everyone just wants to like talk and hang out which is very different to the world i think most of us are used to nowadays yeah i love hearing that because I'm from Prince George, BC. You probably don't know that. So I'm from kind of the northern portion. I mean, that's pretty, it's, it's not really comparable to like Smithers or Terrace or Rupert, yeah. which is probably what you're talking about. Yeah, but yeah. I totally agree though. Like it's it's very different even from Calgary here, right? Because like landscape's completely different. And yeah, mm-hmm. it doesn't take much to kind of get into isolation, right? So yeah, I do like that as a BC boy. <laughs> I yeah, think- it's it's like pre-isolation, pre-COVID isolation, isolation. It prepared there you go. me. It prepared me. I I think it's crazy that like it's it's in the same country and it's like how how many hours away is that? From here, from where I am in BC, uh, like in the Lower Mainland, pretty much Vancouver, uh, it's probably like twelve hours because yeah. you can't go straight up. You have to like yeah. loop around a bit. But. So uh, to me, it's crazy. Like. 12 hours away from you is somewhere where it's like completely isolated. And I think, I think that the topic of pushing yourself out of your comfort zone has been like very evident in the episodes me and Sterling have made. Mm -hmm. Um, But you, you said that 
um, you know, it's not talked about enough and not, not enough people do that. And I think the problem is, is that people just don't, don't get out of their comfort zone. People, people think about not having internet and like that story of you didn't have service for three or four days. That scares people. Right? Yeah. And that's like not comfortable. And so I think um, the next question for you, Ben, um, is what, like when you were pushing yourself out of that comfort zone and you were so used to having service and being in constant contact with other people, because you said before, like you're such an extrovert. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how did you end up just pushing yourself out of your comfort zone? And how did that feel in the moment where you were just totally isolated and there was nobody around and you were getting spooned by a bear? <laughs> Honestly, the the thing that kind of pushed me to want to do it was yeah i'm extroverted but i also like going against the grain like i like subverting people's expectations of me um i people have always considered me a homebody like i like my creature comforts i have an espresso machine in my dorm for so like like i like my creature comforts but i i just i don't like it when people expect me to do a certain thing in life like the expectation of of us as Canadians, Albertans, whatever, is to finish high school, go into some kind of post-secondary, get a job, and then that's your career for the rest of your life. And and yep. that's like the expectation of society on us nowadays. And I was like, that's I don't want to be like everyone else. I want to be different. Mm-hmm. And I think it was more of like like I want I like so often I try and feel and make myself feel like I'm different than everyone else because I don't like being the same and so that was kind of what motivated me to do it and then what pushed me to do it was I eventually just told I think the the biggest thing to push yourself out of your comfort zone is you tell your friends your family whatever that you are gonna do something and you want to do something and if you tell enough people you can't really back down right like it's, it's it's kind of setting yourself up to being forced to do the thing that you said like I I always told people like I want to live in a van I'm gonna live in a van I want to live in a van and three months later it's like I have this opportunity to live in a van I can't turn it down because I told everyone that I want to live in a van yeah and so I I think like the biggest thing like first things write it down and then tell people about it and it it kind of like makes your mind process in a way that is like this is a goal that you have to achieve now that's really interesting yeah that's that's honestly really interesting and when you're telling that story i appreciate that you're really open in terms of that yeah like it gave you anxiety like yeah it was scary at points and yeah it it wasn't all a positive experience right but there's always things to take from it so i guess my question is sure you force yourself to do it but when you hit those anxiety inducing moments or you hit those tough spots where does that motivation come from to keep going right what's driving you from that point um i think i think for the anxiety things in in alaska it's kind of like for when i when i hit those panic attacks it's like well i don't really have another option i can't just stay here um like i you go for like four days without service you get service for maybe a day or two and then you go like another week without service and it's just like you don't really have the ability to reach out for anyone so it kind of like puts you into like survival instinct mode like oh we just got to get through this and then and then chill but I think a lot of the times for me is just taking a moment to like breathe and understand that like yeah I'm alone right now um but 
what what is that what is that actually going to do to me like being alone other than getting in my head like what's actually gonna happen like mm-hmm. like yeah if you're if you're out in alaska a bear could eat you like that's that's possible and like yeah. people had gotten murdered on the highway that i was driving uh, i don't know if you remember that story when uh like it was a couple of years ago there was people well actually it's a year ago there was people driving the alaska canada highway um and they got abducted uh and people stole their their truck and drove it to manitoba and then the people that were eventually found in manitoba but that happened like a week or two before i left where those people got murdered on the alaska canada highway wow. and it was just like yeah i might I might like, I think it was more stressful for my mom than me, but it was like, that might happen to me, but the experience that I'm going to get is going to be worth the risk. I think for me is, is I'm not really afraid of, of if something goes wrong, I'm not really afraid of what's going to happen because maybe I'm just reckless. Maybe I just don't understand my morality because I'm only 21, but like, if I'm not doing something that excites me, then I just get anxious of like sitting around and doing nothing. Like, I feel like I always have to be doing something. And so that's kind of like, you just have to think about that. And that's, that's, that's how I push through those, those anxious moments. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. And to, to build on that a little bit further, um, when you graduated high school, you did go and do the kind of, post-secondary do what was kind of interesting to you at the time route but it didn't work out for you yeah so what was kind of the trigger for that where you said like this isn't me this isn't what I'm going to be doing and what made you I guess not walk away from that but basically abandon that and move on yeah I, I, I the reason why I think I went to into youth ministry that's what I originally went into out of high school is um, one of the biggest mentors in my life is is the pastor at mine and Nathan's church, SunWest, and I wanted to be like him. I wanted to be like Colton, and he was a youth he was a youth pastor, and so I was like, that's my next step. I used I used to love working with children and little kids, and and I so I went to that school, and I realized that like I actually have a lot of problems with the way that theology is taught nowadays, and and like how we're, we're taught to believe and what we're taught to believe. I just, I disagreed with a lot of it. I disagreed with a lot of like the motivations behind why we believe what we believe. And it's like, why, why are people Christians to go to heaven? Okay. So their goal is to convert people. So other people go to heaven. And that, that just seemed shallow to me. Um, and, and I disagreed with that and I made it obvious. I disagreed with that in, in my first semester and the profs didn't like that. And my grades suffered because I disagreed with, what I was being taught. Um, and so I just decided that it wasn't for me, um, dropped out, decided to live my life and now I'm back at Bible college. So (laughs) here we are. Yeah. So, uh, that's, that's interesting because, you know, youth leading with you and, and, uh, um, you know, experiencing a lot of our faith early on together. Um, you know, I saw a lot of I saw a lot of the ways that you, you know, fell in love with Christianity and Jesus mm-hmm. and how, you know, devoted you were to your faith. And I think um, it's important that you stand up for what you believe, you know, and like, I I can agree with you on that when, when you, and, and that's, that's a basic, like I was, you remember when I was debating to either go to 
uh, Bible college or, or like Mount Royal. Right. And I was debating yeah. to become a pastor. And I, I, a big realization was, is like, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to do like, like, I don't want to do the same things that every pastor does to be able to just teach. Like I want to gain life experience and be able to, to, you know, pastor people from that life experience. And like, I feel like it's just every, all pastors and churches nowadays, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just accustomed, they're accustomed to, you know, understanding like theology and teaching like off a curriculum almost. Yeah. And that's not what faith is. Faith is, faith is based off life experiences. Faith is based off trusting God and being in, in tough situations where your anxiety and you're alone and, you know, and like, you don't know what else to put your faith in. So you, you put your faith in God. Right. And I feel yeah. like the only way people can be find like relatability is through life experience and being like, yeah, I've been there, you know? And so I agree with you on that point with theology because i feel like it's been it's become such a curriculum like if you don't have this degree you can't stand up in front of a church and teach them because you're teaching the wrong things yeah and and because you have this degree all of a sudden you're put on a pedestal in front of the church as well and it's the way we view pastors is they're infallible and the second they have a fault and the second they screw up, they're scrutinized and yeah. and treated less than, even though they're human, just like the rest of us. And the fact that like we hold our religious leaders to such a high standard, but we don't hold ourselves to the same standard is just is something that I I have struggled with a lot. And that's that's another reason why, like, I, I don't currently attend church. Um, I mean, COVID has has put a lot of strain on attending church in yeah. general, but like. I, I just have a lot of issues with personally with like understanding like this is what we're doing and as Christians like as as Christians as a whole like big C church I guess um we 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 hold pastors to this standard we don't hold ourselves to the same standard and when they screw up we scrutinize them and and that's why suicide rates for pastors are going up like they shouldn't feel like all of a sudden they're less than and they're terrible Christians because they screwed up when everybody, everybody in the congregation, like humans suck. We all suck. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and like the fact that some people are supposed to suck less than other people, like, sure. But we can't, we can't make people feel bad for sucking because we suck ourselves. It's just, it's such a hard situation to navigate right now is like, I think there needs to be a big change in the church. Um, I just don't know what that change is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got a couple of thoughts on that because I know my my pastor listens to this podcast. Hi, Lane, if you're listening. And he is he's a big theology guy, right? He uh, got a theology degree from Ontario, and he is a very smart, Bible-smart man. He is. Mm -hmm. um, I think... I agree that there is a problem with the Western church because I feel like we get uh, very comfortable in simply treating church like it, like it's a, like it's a class, right? Like it's an education experience, whereas that's not faith is what all at all. And I think that's what Nathan was kind of touching on there is we need to be equipped in certain areas to do what we need to do and live the life that we need to live according to Jesus and God's word. 
but there's also certain places where we need to kind of take the reins on our own life and mm. personalize our faith. Because if we're simply absorbing information at church on Sunday and doing nothing with it, then we're not doing all that we can with our faith. Right. And I, I think the, like the, the theme of pushing our comfort zones, like that has to come into faith a lot more. And that's a big aspect of what the church is missing. I think yeah. kind of links up nicely because a lot of, a lot of people are very comfortable just absorbing the word on a Sunday and not doing anything with it. And I've been guilty with that as well. So something that I've kind of taken personally and kind of taken charge of in my life is um, mission isn't simply like being in your church and then going out to like South America or something and serving down there. Mission is our everyday life. We have a responsibility to live out the word and be the word to people who don't have the experience of going to church or anything like that. Right. So I think the problem with pastors is that they have such a large capacity and such a large role in educating the church like they do. But I think the part that's lost is that conversion from the education to making it real in our lives and into living that out. Right. So yeah. Tricky. Yeah. I, I don't think that the problem is with the pastors is with the people. Mm-hmm. It's, it's I a hundred percent agree. Like we have to take responsibility. Like there, there comes a time in our life when we have to grow up as humans. When we move out from our parents' house, we have to grow up. We have to learn how to be adults. And I think it's the same thing in our faith is we, we have to learn how to eventually go from taking in all this information to like, how do we apply that? And how do we, how do we use that to change the way we think? Like if you read the Bible, we're made in love, out of love, from of God of love to love. It's, it all comes down to love and society needs more love and i think as a, as a church as as christians as anybody with any faith belief like i think i think the core of it is we need to learn how to love people better and and i'm not perfect no no one is perfect but like man i think the world nowadays is struggling so much with that idea of loving people and it, it breaks my heart especially knowing that like i could be doing something about it and i'm not doing as well as i could be you know yeah. And like, I, I think for me, the big problem about sort of that loss of love culture is that people tend to avoid the church or leave the church because they associate it with messages of hate. And that mm. is so heartbreaking, right? Because like you said, like we're designed in love by a God who is love. He, he doesn't just exude love. He is love. Right. Yeah. So for people to turn away from the church and to not get involved in the church because they believe that it's, it's a hateful kind of rhetoric on modern society. It's a, it's tough. Right. So how, like you've been to Bible college, so you, I know you have opinions on this, but what do you think are some actions that we can take as everyday Christians to sort of forward this message of love in a world where that, that thinks we're hateful? Oh man, that's a question, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's a very heavy question. It's a question that I wish, I wish I knew the answer to. I think, I don't think we're ever going to know the answer to how, how do we exude love all the time? I think it's, it's a process that we're going to have to constantly be working on and, and coming up with new ideas and, and thinking about it. Like, like maybe a way we can show love is by not st- storming the capital and say Jesus is king. I don't think think that's a good way to show love. I think 
You don't think? I don't know. <laughs> I think. I think I think the best way to do it is is in how you treat people and how you go about your life. I think that's where you have to start is with your friends and stuff. Yeah, you can make fun of each other and make jokes and whatever. But when you're when you're out there and you're and people are watching you like all the time, people are like, I don't know about you guys, but like, I don't think people actually care about that much about what I'm doing in my life. No one really cares. But also everybody cares about everybody, you know, like. It's like individually, maybe not, but as a whole, people are always watching. Every action we make is going to have a reaction. And, and so if we're going around and say I disagree with someone about something about anything, like who knows what it could be. And I am very public about the fact that I disagree with it, as a lot of Christians are, because we're called to be public about what we believe. Mm-hmm. And the, the second you have a controversial opinion, it's going to be scrutinized and with with the way media is and stuff is you have to realize is that you may have a controversial opinion i may have a controversial opinion none of us have it 100 percent right and it's not healthy to go around stating our controversial opinions it's healthy to go around and and see that person who's down and, and giving them a friend or giving them lunch or talking with them like even the simple action of holding a door like just because some Christians believe that skin color has something to do with something stupid or whatever. Like, I don't care if you like, it's bad that you believe that, but I don't care if you believe that that's not how you should be living. You shouldn't be living in, in a way of expressing your judgmental opinions. Like if that's your opinion, whatever, I I, I'm not going to change your mind, but as Christians, we are called to be nice to everyone. Like, like we're called to turn the other cheek. We're called to, to, Accept the fact that we could be wrong in what we believe. And and Western Christianity has such a bad rep because they've done such a bad job of showing what love actually looks like. And love is just, it's just accepting people for who they are and being there for them and listening and not judging for any reason. Like we're not called to judge. We're called to just like be present and listening and yeah. holding doors and it's it's love so your simple. neighbor right exactly yeah. like like actually loving someone is so simple it's just don't be mean to them and you're showing <laughs> them some kind of love here i i don't mean to butt in but here, here's my opinion i feel like it's it's very evident that the the first reaction for a christian or a newborn christian or you know even like an old timer is their first reaction is what they do um that other people will see you know they 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 always want to go to church and be that person that smiles and you know shakes everybody's hands and hugs people and prays for people or they want to be that that christian that goes out and and uh you know volunteers at like shelters and stuff like that and none of that's bad we should be doing that but it mm-hmm. starts it starts from within yourself yeah if you if 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 your heart isn't set in a right place where you actually 100% believe in God because he's going to be the source of love and the source of kindness and the source of of actually being able to to act in proper ways if you're not set right with him and in your heart and if you don't love yourself because it's not just love your neighbors it's love yourself and your neighbors 
mm-hmm. if you can't actually accept yourself and be content and love yourself. And I feel like that's where a lot of hate comes from in this world. It's like, okay, um, you know, this person doesn't agree with me. I'm going to get insecure about it because I think I'm right. And I'm going to hate this person, you know? And it's like, yeah, if you don't have your heart in the right place, you're never going to be able to go out and full heartedly be kind to people because at yep. the end of the day you can you can go you can go to the grocery store and act like a beautiful person and talk to all these people but god is going to see your heart and if you go home and talk trash about all these people that you were just nice to what's you're not making a difference yeah yeah and you're not going to be um yeah go sorry sorry to interrupt you as well we're just interrupting each other in <laughs> circles i love it um yeah I, I like i was just going to tie back to what i was kind of saying about the modern church right everyone wants to say they're a christian right everyone wants to have that in their back pocket oh i'm such a good person because you know i believe in jesus so i'm a good person right that's not necessarily how it works right um to believe in christ is to have that at the center of your life right that that's the only thing it it can be if you want to be a true christian walk a close in a close way with jesus so i think what needs to happen is that we need to have Christ at the center of our lives. And when that happens, then that's when we start exuding the sort of things we want to exude, like joy, like loving everyone. And it'll come as less of a challenge and feel less forced because we're not having to fight with these messages of hate. We just have yes. Jesus in Christ at the center of our lives. Right. Yes. So yeah. just wanted to throw that in there. I agree. Yeah. So then, uh, um, you know, coming to the point you're at now and being and experiencing all those things like where do you find yourself with your faith right now and like you you talked about how you just need to be you you want to be kind and go and love people but when it comes to your faith your personal faith um how are you living that out right now and it might be like a little bit easier in the sense that you're like you know living in a bible college and it might be a little bit easier but um <laughs> just explain how you are actually like living that out right now yeah well see thing is 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 at, at my school i would definitely be seen as an outsider in what i believe um as my roommate laughs um <laughs> i don't i don't think i live i don't i don't do a good job of living my faith out I think the fact that I'm aware of that is a good thing. The fact that I'm not really doing anything about it right now is a bad thing. Um, But it's just, I, right now I'm at a point in my faith where I, I don't know a lot of the answers. Um, I'm very confused. Uh, When I look at the church and I look at the world, I get frustrated as to why things are, are the way that they are and i i don't know the answers and i've been trying to find the answers and i'm hoping that being at bible college and and reading books and doing everything i can will help me find the answers as to why everything is the way that it is and and while i'm confused about that i i actually don't like being associated with the word christian um i think i think when i when i meet new people and i go and hang out with people i want them to see that i have joy in my life because of the god that i believe in um i don't i don't think going around and preaching that i'm a christian is is gonna help them prompt that 
question of asking me why, especially with, with the current climate. Um, I, I know that I am happy and excited and, and so pumped on life because of God and because of the, the gifts that he's given us. For me, it's the mountains and like skiing and all that stuff. Like, like I, am, I am on cloud nine about that stuff and I want people to ask me why. And, and the way I live is to try and try and be, I guess, interesting enough and excited enough for people to ask why. Um, and, and to be honest right now, I, I don't really like go out and I don't sit there and read my Bible and I don't do devotions or anything right now, just because I'm very frustrated with, with the current church climate and, and the things that have happened to me is just like, I believe in God and I love him, but right now I'm just really frustrated. Um, especially with like my van being stolen and, and all the stuff that's happened in my life over the past few years. It's just like, why is all this happened? I'm actually very frustrated with my faith and with God at the moment. And so I don't actively seek him out. I, I actively am seeking out the answer why, and I'm hoping that changes soon, but yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. I know it's not oh, it makes sense. necessarily the the answer of like oh how do you be a good christian because i don't know <laughs> i don't i have no freaking clue no and the important thing to take from that is that as christians we're allowed to challenge our faith and we're allowed to feel like god is against well we're allowed to feel like god is against us even though that that's probably not what's going on right <laughs> yeah but i i admire that you're open about being frustrated and being open about i don't really know where i am with the church because I think for people that lose their faith, I feel like oftentimes it happens when it's times of frustration, mm -hmm. but it's not, people don't turn to God in those times. They start turning inwards and then the frustration starts becoming with the world and everything around them. And then all of a sudden faith has no role in what you're observing in the world anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. So I do yeah. admire that you're able to say, yeah, like I'm frustrated. I'm a little lost right now, but I will, I will be praying for you and I will be hoping that, um, God makes something evident in your life. And, uh, and interesting that you're in Bible college during this time in your life, right? Really interesting stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm the educated Bible college. Right now. <laughs> I think, I think this, we can tie this back to the theme of the episode and being out of your comfort zone, right? Because as Christians, like you're going to get pushed out of your comfort zone more often than, you know, somebody that's not. And I, like, I'm a true believer of that. And like, a lot of a lot of people who were christian and then got pushed out of the comfort zone in their faith they just said see you later right and, yeah. and they find so much comfort in just not being challenged yeah. you know and i think unless we actually like do things like you do and like and like get out of our comfort zone to a point where it's like we feel comfortable out of our comfort zone you know what i mean like it's not a new thing to us especially mm -hmm. in our face like being okay, you know, being okay to be frustrated with your faith is something that I think a lot of people can't do. And like recently, like I've been doing this thing that Sterling brought up in one of the past episodes, just being silent for each day and being silent each day for like 20 minutes. And I've added prayer into that. And sometimes like I'm praying and then I get frustrated like I'm praying and I start getting mad because it's like you think about everything that's going on. And like, you know, I was just talking with some people about, you know, um, families in, in Mexico and like 
the struggles that they have over there, like 400 pastors have passed away because of COVID and to get a spot in the hospital, it's like $50,000 us. And I'm like, what the heck, you know, like it's, it's frustrating, but to be able to be comfortable being frustrated with God is a problem. People think that they need to like hide and not be who you were created to be, which is a human being, you know, like I just I just admire your comfortness and and being and being able to be out of your comfort zone. You know what I mean? Yeah, but but also not settling in that uncomfort, right? Like you're still seeking, which is what we yeah. were called to do, right? And often like it's the same thing for me when I'm in my times of silence or prayer. Answers don't always come, right? And you're just kind of sitting there like, well, like what am I doing then? But sort of what the prayer has to be for me sometimes is like, well, Lord, your will be done. Right. Like I'm, I'm here for you. Like I'm walking with you today, but I don't really see the purpose so clearly today. Right. So I feel like I I completely agree with Nathan there that we have to be a little more comfortable as Christians kind of abandoning our control and just saying, all right, Lord, your will be done. Hands Mm -hmm. up. Right. All right. Sorry. Go ahead, Ben. I mean, like people in the Bible were frustrated with God. Like, my yeah. God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yeah. All through Psalms, man. Seriously. Like, yeah. yeah, Psalms is just, it's literally just edgy poetry. <laughs> <laughs> just haikus. <laughs> Blink 182 like, should just make songs. It's for- like, <laughs> it's literally just David, right? It's David who wrote Psalms. It's literally yeah. just being edgy as heck. It's basically <laughs> like friggin' junior high. Junior yeah, High but... David is Psalms. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Um, Avril Lavigne for sure. Like... All right. I have one more question for you, Ben, just to end this off. Um, right. What is your next? Because I know you got something in mind. What is your next big adventure in mind? What is, what is I, something that you've been wanting to do real bad? That's out of the ordinary. I don't, I don't know if I have a big adventure. Oh, I guess everything's an adventure, but I don't have a big trip planned or anything like that, other than maybe skiing off some big old cliffs or something like that. But um, my next big thing is I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy a U-Haul, like a, like a moving truck. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna renovate that. That's my next big Heck thing. Yeah. Is, is being able to stand in my in my portable house is very important and having a shower <laughs> and a toilet. Yeah. Cause you realize very quickly how much not having a toilet sucks. Taking a dookie <laughs> in the woods is not fun. Especially um, when grizzlies are around apparently. Jeez. Yeah. And, and it got like, I think the coldest night in the Yukon was like negative 30 and I was freezing. Like I had to start my car to sleep and it was just, I want a U-Haul cause I can, I can actually build it into like a legit house. It'll be yeah. small, but it'll have a lot of space that's that's i i got i, I got some good money from my van uh, insurance paid insurance actually did me well and so i kind of have like a block of money that i'm i'm gonna start adding to and and over the next couple of years work to be able to afford it and pimp the heck out of a u-haul that's that's, that's my goal that's yeah. dope that is dope man well i best of luck to you um i appreciate you coming coming on the the show like we are we are growing slowly but steadily um but we appreciate anybody that's willing to take the time out of their day and just you know 
come and talk yeah, to thank us. Thank you so much for letting me talk because I know Nathan knows I love to talk. Oh, nonstop. <laughs> I, I, I love listening to you guys' podcast and being on it. It's going to be sick. Uh, I can just say I was part of the OG crew before you guys got uber famous. Exactly. Yeah, that's the plan. <laughs> All right. Um, ben, where can they find you on Instagram or find your blog if that's oh, still going on? I, 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 don't, I don't blog anymore. Um, I've kind of taken a social media hiatus on that because I feel like that was more for the clout than anything. <laughs> um, but eventually I will be posting U-Haul stuff. And if you want to get updated on that, just follow me on Instagram, Benny Ha, Benny underscore H-A-A. It's pretty simple. That's that's basically all I use for social media nowadays. But yeah. Dope. All right. Thanks, Ben. Um, just uh, make sure you guys follow our Instagram if this is the first time uh, listening. It's at rising rain underscore podcast. Um, and I think that's it. Yeah. Subscribe, share, like our post. Um, we'll see you. New guys. things coming. Stay updated. So many new things. Oh my God. Big, big things. All right. Well, see you guys later. Peace.